Greetings, all you 99 percenters. This is your host, Dr. Jack Rasmus. This is Alternative Divisions. Okay, today I want to talk about Social Security because we got a new attack coming. Uh, not new in the sense that this is perennial. This happens uh, every time they get into a, a major adjustment in their fiscal strategy or fiscal policy, they, meaning the U.S. elites, you know, uh, they start uh, uh, shining uh, the economic flashlight here on Social Security and the big pot of money there. They want to get their hands on it. Uh, so uh, we're at that juncture once again, as I've been saying quite some time here over the past six, eight months, that uh, uh, we are now past the, well past the COVID relief era where they threw some money at folks here in order to keep uh, uh, the whole system from crashing. Right. You remember the money. Uh, you got some checks here. Uh, you got some extended unemployment benefits. Uh, people who are uh, self-employed or uh, gig workers, whatever, uh, who weren't eligible for unemployment benefits, started getting them, about 10 million of them, you know. Uh, and there were some other partial relief uh, uh, to uh, small businesses, the payroll protection plan. And uh, then we had some assistance to um, uh, renters, a little bit dribbled here and there, uh, and some miscellaneous uh, expenses. Uh, uh, you didn't have to pay for uh, your shots here, your COVID shots or COVID tests, et cetera. Remember that? That's 2021. In uh, 20, we had, uh, when the whole thing erupted with COVID, we had um, the CARES Act, and a lot of these measures were in the CARES Act. Uh, we were supposed to have a follow-on act because uh, uh, the CARES Act was just a stopgap temporary. Uh, the follow-on uh Act did not occur. Uh, Republicans and Trump blocked it, came up with their BS uh, proposals. Uh, that didn't work. And by the end of 2020, the whole um, economy was, was uh, and unemployment was rising dramatically again. So they had to throw another $800 billion into the pot, uh, mostly uh, more unemployment benefits and some uh, Biden checks. Remember those? I think it was 1400 um, and uh, then he, uh, Biden came up with his uh, partial last uh, gasp uh, uh, COVID relief bill in March of 21. And, uh, you know, the government spent about two, three trillion dollars, mostly for small business, you know, about a trillion and a half for small business payroll protection loans. That, of course, turned into grants. <laughs> no one had to pay it back. Uh, as I predicted, uh, the big corporations uh, didn't need it. They were flush with cash. The banks weren't in trouble. Anyway, uh, the Federal Reserve threw another $5 trillion at the bankers and investors just in case. Unlike 2008, there, there were no banking crashes imminent, uh, but they threw the money at them anyway. They got $5 trillion, investors and bankers. Small businesses got like $1.3 trillion. And uh, workers got, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, $600, $700 billion in unemployment benefits and so forth. Uh, all that uh, you know, amounted to about $2, $3 trillion in actual spending uh, during COVID, right? Uh, uh, that was quickly uh, rolled back here even before all the payments were made. As soon as Biden came in office, by the second half of 21, <coughs> excuse me, 
Biden was already cutting this stuff off. Child care was one of those uh, proposals. Uh, people got some child care assistance for six months, and then it ended. Uh, and then uh, in 2022, what did Biden do? He was cutting back all the COVID relief bills, uh, even his own. And uh, what he did was uh, shift uh, the subsidies from uh, uh, you know, consumers and homeowners and average folks. He shifted them to businesses, and he passed these. the Democrats, with Republican support now, uh, passed these three big bills subsidizing businesses, right? One was the infrastructure bill. Right. I think that was like one point one trillion dollars. Uh, and then the, the Chip and Science Act was like four hundred and eighty billion dollars, really a slush fund to buy off U.S. tech companies overseas, uh, give them incentives to come back home here, uh, clear the decks for the U.S. geopolitical strategy against uh, China. Uh, so uh, that, that was like another $480 billion. And then the, the misnamed uh, Inflation Reduction Act was the third investment subsidy bill and act uh, by Obama in 2022. You know, he starts shutting down the uh, regular fiscal subsidies for folks, and he turns the uh, subsidies for businesses. Uh, misnamed because it had nothing to do uh, inflation reduction with inflation reduction is really just to cover, um, again, more subsidies. Uh, a lot of it was for alternative energy and for the energy companies. You know, Joe Manchin uh, made him, uh, uh, bribed him to pay off, to get his vote, uh, to pay off uh, the energy the oil companies, right? So they get a big chunk of that so-called Inflation Reduction Act and some alternative energy companies as well. Uh, I'm not sure how much that was, 500 to a, to a trillion, 500 billion to a trillion, you know. So we, so we got, um, you know, maybe $2 trillion in these uh, bills, that um, which are really investment subsidy bills here, which really that amount is stretched out over five, six years at least, right? So that was the, the, the shift uh, by uh, – uh, Biden. And of course, uh, part of that shift in 2022 was uh, uh, defense spending, war spending, right? We're in the middle of the Ukraine war. Uh, Congress writes checks for about $111 billion last year for Ukraine uh, as it's cutting uh, child care and everything else for the rest of us. Um, and uh, now we've got the budget deficit uh, or the budget bill coming out next week. We'll talk about more detail when we see it uh, by Biden. But we know there's an $85 billion increase this year in just the Pentagon. The Pentagon, yeah, we go from $773 billion to $858 billion in one year for the Pentagon. And that's only the beginning. Uh, we'll receive at least $900 billion for the Pentagon, which isn't the full defense spending in this country because a lot of the war and defense spending is uh, uh, shuttled away in other uh, departments, energy department, atomic energy development, new nuclear uh, weaponry here, uh, the NSA, the um, CIA, uh, State Department, you know, their private mercenary armies and so forth. Uh, Homeland Security, over $50 billion. Um, we've got interest on the debt, which we'll talk about, right? Uh, a large part of which the increase is, is due to uh, increased military spending here, uh, going from $350 billion in 2019 to $600 billion this year. And projections are 
um, over the next decade, that $600 billion will triple. We will be paying interest on government bonds of well over a trillion, trillion and a half uh, to investors, bankers and private investors who buy treasuries, right? Uh, that is a looming big crisis, right? Can we spend a, a trillion dollars paying interest to investors, trillion plus by the end of the decade at least, probably even more than that by the end of the end of this decade? Can we can we afford paying a trillion and a half or a trillion plus uh, and a trillion dollar Pentagon budget? Uh, can we do that? Can can we uh, pay uh, uh, the military industrial complex a trillion dollars? Plus, uh, in addition, a trillion dollars plus to investors. That's $2 trillion. Uh, where does that leave other government department spending? Well, uh, big question mark. U.S. is stumbling towards a, a fiscal crisis here, uh, no doubt. At the same time, we've got these massive tax cuts passed under Trump, $4 trillion in tax cuts, you know, for that was passed in 2018, started in 2018 for next decade in 2028. And how much was that? Well, four, four and a half trillion dollars. And yet, at the time, they kept saying, oh, it's only one and a half trillion. Even economists like Robert Reich, you know, is still on his, on his blog, still saying, oh, it's one and a half, 1.9 trillion. Well, I'll tell you, that's, that's nonsense, as I pointed out at the time, because that whole 1.5, 1.9 trillion was predicated on the assumption that we would have GDP economic growth of three to four percent every year for the next ten years, from 2018 to 2028. Yeah, which would generate more revenue to offset the actual cost of the Trump tax tax cuts, right? Which were over four trillion dollars. That's how you got to 1.9 or 1.5 trillion, right? Of course, we didn't have that growth. We had a total collapse of the economy here in 2020. Uh, and in 2021, we had a recovery, partial recovery, 5.4%. Okay, that's not too bad. Uh, but that was followed last year, a recovery uh, in 2022, GDP of only 1%. If you calculate from December to December, December 31st, 21, to December 31st, 22, GDP rose a minuscule 1% after we had pumped $3 trillion in fiscal spending and $5 trillion in the Fed, $8 trillion into the economy, we get this minuscule 1% growth in 2022. Whoa, that's another big red, red flag here. Uh, in the U.S. economy. They act like, oh, everything is fine, though. Oh, the economy is good because, uh, oh, we, it's, inflation is slowing down from 85 to 65 right, after 5% increase in the Fed. <coughs> Excuse me. 5% interest rates rise, and you get a 2% CPI reduction. <coughs> You're gonna at that rate. You're gonna have to raise interest rates over 10 percent, well over 10 percent, to get it down to the Fed's uh, target of two percent. <clears throat> oh, it's not working. The federal rate hikes aren't working, and they say, well, you know, gee, where's the unemployment? You know, we should the labor market's too strong. We got to keep raising rates. Labor market's too strong. Uh, well, figure this. Why are we getting all those? Big unemployment layoffs, you know? Well, I'll tell you, because coming out of COVID, 
companies simply did not hire as many people back. They already made the cuts, the job cuts during COVID. Yeah, look, at the railroads are running at 70% labor force. Other big companies, again, their labor force numbers are well below what they were in 2019. They did the cuts, and they just aren't hiring people back. All this talk about, oh, they can't, you know, we got so many open jobs and so forth. No, turn it on its head, folks, because what that really means is they don't want to hire more people. But yet the numbers show all these people being hired, right, 500,000? Uh, well, you know, dig deep into those numbers and you find they're mostly part-time people being hired. They're not full-time. Full-time hirings are going, they're still laying people off full-time. Yeah. So, you know, you got to dig in these numbers. I don't want to go too deep. I've talked about these numbers. I think, the, the again, the job numbers that they report, you know, are uh, corrupted. Uh, they're not as accurate, and the media doesn't really understand what's going on behind the scenes with the job numbers. Nor do they understand what's going on behind the scenes with the inflation numbers. Uh, policymakers still think that they can get the Fed to engineer a deep unemployment recession here, and that will bring demand down, and that will bring prices down. Ah, some. But most of the inflation that I've been pointing out is not demand side. You can't bring it down by crushing jobs and wages because it's supply side. Yeah, it's not demand side, it's supply side. And due to <clears throat> two big things, I think, well, three, one, you've got global problems with sanctions, the commodity price speculation going on because of the war and the sanctions and other factors. <clears throat> That's still driving inflation. Right. By the way, watch uh, oil and gasoline prices start uh, uh, climbing up here very soon. They're already creeping up, but another month or so they'll be escalating up again. Right? It's supply side uh, global. It's supply side domestically because you've got the monopolistic uh, uh, sector companies uh, who are price gouging. Is that simple? It's price gouging going on. Big time. And if the big boys do it, the other smaller players figure, well, we can do it, too. Yeah, price gouging is a big problem. And then the other big problem is we don't have the investment and haven't had for years in productivity. Uh, and that in lack of investment in productivity uh, means that unit labor costs have uh, been falling. And uh, therefore, companies raise the prices to cover the unit labor costs. Uh, that's going on, too. So big three big factors here. Uh, productivity, unit labor force. Uh, labor costs rising, price gouging, and the domestic, uh, excuse me, global uh, supply side problems. Those are intractable. Those are built into the system right now. And that's why inflation is not going to get down below 4% on CPI, even though you try to crush it with layoffs and wage income collapse. Okay. So where does this all have to do with Social Security, right? Okay. You know, I kind of went on this big roundabout. Uh, digression here, well, not total digression, uh, trying to explain <clears throat> the bigger picture where this attack on Social Security is now imminent. Because in the aftermath of all of what I've described <clears throat> and the continuing problems with deficits and inflation and interest and so forth, <clears throat> uh, you have austerity uh, policies raising their ugly head again. You know, every time there's a crisis, you know, like 2008-9 or 2021 uh, in the government to keep uh, uh, social stability, throw some money at folks, 
when things have stabilized a little bit, uh, they come around and they take it back. Yeah, uh, that's austerity. Cut social programs uh, in order to make up for the the big deficits created by throwing some money uh, at folks in in the crisis. At folks, including you know, most of it goes to businesses and big businesses. They're quote folks here in this definition. Um, so uh, we're on the verge of austerity again. Uh, remember Obama, two thousand nine comes up with seven hundred eighty-seven billion dollars in a fiscal stimulus to get out of the crisis. Three hundred billion of which uh, was really just tax cuts. Another hundred billion of which was very long-term. Uh, investments. So maybe $300 billion actual stimulus here, which is totally insufficient, which is less than 5% of the GDP. The whole total, $7.7 billion, 5% of the GDP uh, wasn't enough really to get the, get the economy booming again, and it didn't. Under Obama, we have this uh, two-thirds or three-fourths of normal GDP post-recession uh, growth here. And that was very kind of verging on stagnant here uh, after 2009, 2010. The banks were all bailed out by 2010 nicely, but the rest of the economy, un, uh, job cover recovery did not really reach pre-recession until 2015. So it was a very slow recovery because it was a very insign- insufficient uh, fiscal uh, stimulus. Even so, $787 billion was thrown into the economy. But in August 2011, after he loses control of Congress in 2010 because his policies were so weak, right, now he's dealing with Republicans, and, and he agrees in August of 2011 to austerity budgets. Austerity budget called for in 2012, called for um, $1.5 trillion of cuts. One and a half trillion. She puts in seven hundred eighty-seven billion. He takes twice that amount out two years later. Right? Uh, supposed to supposedly defense spending of five hundred billion was in that one and a half trillion. One trillion social spending cuts, five hundred billion defense cuts. But they never implemented the defense cuts. <laughs> yeah, they dragged it out, dragged it out, and they never cut defense spending. So a trillion dollars. You give he gives a seventy seven billion one hand, takes a trillion out. That's austerity. Austerity programs. And then by the way, in two twenty thirteen he goes along with the Republicans and extends the George Bush tax cuts for another ten years. And that cost the US Treasury five trillion dollars. The Bush tax cuts were three point eight trillion originally. Uh but Obama extends them, costs five trillion more from uh, you know, Whatever that was, that that date to, to 2010, I think it was. I think they ran out in 2010. The Bush tax cuts original version. Uh, he extends it in 20, uh, 2013 for another 10 years. So we got a 10 trillion dollar tax cut. Most of 80 percent, at least, going to business investors under Bush and Obama. Right, 10 trillion. Eight, eight, nine trillion. Well, you know, uh, when he, he he comes into office, uh, we've got a, a national debt of about eight, nine trillion. Uh, George Bush, uh, uh, you know, boosts the debt from uh, four trillion to eight, nine trillion when he leaves in two thousand eight. Obama uh, policies boost the debt from um, 
you know, eight, uh, eight, nine trillion to about 16, 17 trillion when he leaves in 20, 2016, right? So, uh, you know, you got the deficit spending and national debt uh, really escalating under these two guys, not just because they're spending. Most of it is because they're cutting taxes and they're escalating this war in the Middle East that ends up costing us $7 trillion, you see. Uh, so $10 trillion of tax cuts, at least, uh, under uh, – uh, you know, the deficit and the debt, 60% of it is due to insufficient tax revenues. People don't people think it's all spending. No, it's revenue cuts uh, from tax cuts. And, of course, revenue tax revenue drops off when you have an economic crisis and a slow growth under Obama. Right? That, too, contributes. That's the other 40%, right? So, you know, we got this picture of uh, Obama gives with one hand, takes away twice with the other hand. That's austerity. And we're at that juncture again. We are at austerity once again. And it's taking form behind this public cover called the debt ceiling negotiations, right? Oh, the parties can't agree on raising the debt ceiling. Yeah, they'll agree. That's just the cover. That's just a political cover for everybody, a cover for austerity. Or well, what are we going to cut here? What are we going to cut? Because the more spending has been going on and the tax cuts are still occurring. By the way, uh, uh, Trump adds $4.5 trillion, as I said, uh, uh, to the uh, $10 trillion tax cuts under uh, Bush and Obama. He has another $4.5 trillion here in 2018 for the next 10 years. So, so we got $15 trillion in tax cuts, $7 trillion uh, up to Ukraine, up to Biden in uh, a war, war spending. Well, that's $22 trillion. There's your national debt when Biden comes into office. There's your, you know, before COVID, 20, $22 trillion. That's about what it was. Well, now it's $31 trillion. Well, that's because we have the further crisis here of, uh, of uh, you know, continuing tax cuts, now $15 trillion, uh, and we have uh, the COVID relief uh, spending here of uh, several trillion dollars. You know, that's what's – and estimated uh, deficits this year of $1.5 trillion continuing, continuing, you know. Uh, just, just, just think about how much these tax cuts have enriched corporations and corporate profits. I'll give you a partial indication of that, and the fact that wages have just not grown very much either. Uh, well, it's evident in the Fortune 500 corporations in their uh, stock buybacks and dividend payouts to investors. They've got this huge tax windfall from the government right? and subsidies from the government. And what have they done with it? Well, they do what corporations do. They give it to their investors in the form of stock buybacks and dividend payouts. How much? Well, magic number, about $15 trillion under Obama and Trump and now Biden. Remember I said $15 trillion in tax cuts? Well, coincidentally, it's $15 trillion in stock buybacks and dividend payouts under these three presidents so far. 
Okay, it, it was a. Uh, uh, I'm not sure exactly how much um, under Obama. I think it's like six or seven trillion dollars. You know, it was in the hundreds of billions every year uh, that the corporations were given their stock buybacks and dividend payouts. Uh, and then under Trump, it escalated. It escalated. Well, maybe it's about twelve twelve trillion under Trump. It escalated uh, to about one point two, one point three trillion every year first three years. Of course, when COVID hit, they didn't, uh, they, they hoarded their cash. They didn't give it back to shareholders. Yeah, so, uh, you know, almost $4 trillion in the first three years of Trump, you know, he doubled the rate because of the tax cuts, the massive tax cuts that he implemented for for the capitalists. Yeah, under Obama, you know, it was uh, uh, six, seven hundred billion a year, uh, but then it really escalated under Trump, right? And now what do we got? Well, this year, the estimation is a uh, uh, trillion dollars in stock buybacks alone under under Biden here in the second year. I, I, I don't know what 2021 was, but probably close to a trillion dollars. Um, but now in 22 or 23, we've got a trillion dollars just in buybacks, another five, six hundred billion probably in dividend payouts, a record. One five one six trillion dollars. Just the Fortune five hundred companies are given to their shareholders this year. Why? Big stock. Uh, uh, I mean, big big tax cuts continuing for corporations. You know, uh, corporations are jacking up their prices, price gouging everywhere, getting you know excess windfall profits. Uh, the oil companies are leading the way. You know, the big oil companies, Exxon, Chevron, have all posted record profits of $50 billion plus last year. You know, the the oil, U.S. oil companies, big four, six, whatever, are, are going to register at least a quarter trillion dollars, maybe, in stock buybacks and dividend payouts. A quarter trillion dollars in one year they're going to give to their shareholders this year. Record. Record buybacks. You know, and the banks are doing the same, you know, and other big corporations that have been price gouging us and generating super profits are all doing the same uh, because they sort of hoarded their cash in 2020, 2021, right? They didn't give their shareholders as much as they had been. So now they're making up for it. They're making up for it, you know, with the, you know, the price hikes and the super profits they've got gotten, Uh and, of course, the subsidies that they continue to get from the tax system from the U.S. government. And uh, now we got these three investment bills, which are really slush fund subsidy bills as well from the U.S. government. Uh, the Biden three acts, right? The Infrastructure Bill, the Chip and Science Act, and the Inflation Reduction Act, those three that I mentioned. Okay, so uh, they're flush with cash. They're flush with a huge amount of money. You know, one reason why the stock market won't contract or contracts very shortly and then recovers is that there's trillions of dollars sloshing around in the hands of investors. Trillions. You know, institutional investors, hedge funds, equity funds, and banks, and whatever. They're sitting on trillions. Uh, and uh, whenever it looks like, uh, oh, the Fed's going to, hold off raising its rates, the, the money flows back in to the markets. Oh, okay, the Fed's going to continue raising rates. Oh, risk off, and the money gets back, you know, in, in their wallets, and they hoard it for a while. 
Uh, it's a problem. It's another contradiction in the system. There's too much money capital floating around and being invested in financial markets. Okay, so now I'm going to get to Social Security. <laughs> okay, so we've gone roundabout here a little bit, but, you know, this is the big picture. Uh, you got to look at the big picture and all its elements, policy and so forth, uh, to really understand how the capitalist system is 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 uh, managing and mismanaging itself here in the 21st century. Okay, so as I said, we're on the verge of another austerity. It's being... Uh, being uh, developed behind the scenes of this debt ceiling discussion and debate going on between the two wings of the corporate party in America, a.k.a. Democrats and Republicans, right? Uh, it's, it's a facade. It's fake. They're going to raise the debt ceiling in June. The question is, what are they going to cut in the process? And both parties use the debt ceiling as an excuse to go after social programs. Oh, the debt ceiling, you know, we got another trillion and a half deficit this year. And, of course, the deficit's uh, cumulatively equal uh, the debt, right? And we got rising interest rates that the Fed has to pay now, the, you know, for uh, for the treasuries themselves to cover the debt, uh, or the, the deficit each year. You know, that's why we're going from $350 billion interest payments on the debt to $600 billion this year, right? Interest rates are going up, so the Fed has to pay more when it sells its bonds to investors. Okay, so that's rising, right? Uh, we've, we've got $250 billion in extra interest payments this year based upon rising interest rates last year. You know, just one year. If rates continue going up, or then you know the interest on the debt uh, in 2024 is going to be even higher than $600 billion. You know, Eventually, they say it's going to go, uh, it's going to triple by the end of the decade if this continues. Okay, so... Uh, where are they going to cut, right? Where are they going to cut? They're not going to cut war and defense. You know, Biden is going to spend more and more money. The Democrats on the empire, right? That's not going away. What about the tax cuts? Oh, they don't want to touch the Trump tax cuts. We saw that during uh, negotiations on these uh, these Build Back Better bills, you know, and uh, Sanders' proposals to continue the spending on, on uh, regular folks here. Uh, that got shot down very easily, uh, both in, in the House. You know, the squad, so-called progressives, you know, capitulated here. And so did Sanders. They capitulated uh, at the end of 21. Uh, that was it. Right? Uh, so, you know, what we got is uh, all this uh, spending that's going to continue uh, in, in the infrastructure bills, right, uh, and in the war. And the tax cuts are going to continue. So the deficit and the interest is rising on the debt. So the deficits are not going away. Deficits going to continue and maybe even get worse here. Certainly over a trillion dollars every year. And the interest rates are going to go up because the rates are going up too. Okay, so it's a it's a real contradiction uh, situation financially, uh, you know, and fiscally that this country is facing. Uh, so they're. They're going after cuts, social spending cuts, right? Uh, this hasn't changed since Reagan. You know, when Reagan comes in office, what does he do? You know, he doubles the defense spending, right? And he goes after social programs. And he cuts them maybe $50 billion, you know, and he raises the Defense Department spending, you know, by several hundred billion 
uh, dollars. It's in my book, uh, The Scourge of Neoliberalism, you know, uh, the, these policies, uh, how they originated in the late 70s under Carter, by the way, uh, and then implemented full fold here under Reagan. Uh, and, you know, one of the essences of neoliberalism is cut social programs. Right? At the same time, uh, you continue escalating defense spending, right? There's two phases of fiscal policy. Well, actually, three phases. One is cut social programs, raise defense spending, and cut business taxes. Those are the three elements of neoliberal fiscal policy. And uh, they don't give a damn about the deficit and the debt. That's just talk uh, because they, it gives them an excuse to go after social programs to cut them even more. So we're at that juncture. Once again, we're at that juncture. And it's all going on behind the scenes, behind this debt ceiling stuff. Uh, you know, Biden meets with McCarthy there, right, kicks it off. And then Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary, goes and meets with the Republicans in the House, right? Next step. Uh, and now you've got all kinds of uh, uh, formations within Congress, you know, groupings going on in the House, in the Senate uh, to influence what and how much is going to be cut. There's a lot of bargaining going on, on multipolar bargaining, right? And part of the multipolar bargaining is the rise of this uh, group of senators, right, who are proposing Social Security cuts, right? They want to be part of this austerity negotiation, and they want to focus the cuts on Social Security. Uh, this is not new, uh, this perennially occurs. Right? It goes back, uh, you know, to at least uh, the, the 90s. And I remember in uh, under Bush in 2005 or whatever it was, um, maybe it was a little later, uh, the rise of uh, the Simpson Commission. Simpson, this guy Simpson, was a senator, I think, from puts together a group of Democrat and Republicans uh, in the Senate, you know, maybe a half a dozen or so, and uh, some ex-senators and ex-government uh, 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 department people. They come up with this commission that cause, calls for Social Security reform. Reforms, they call it. Really a euphemism for cuts, right? So this isn't the first time. This latest group, uh, reformulating group here uh, is proposing uh, cuts to Social Security along three lines. What are they? At least three, three or four that I can uh, see now. Uh, it'll get clearer here after <clears throat> uh, Biden comes out with his, his final budget proposal on the 9th of March. That will really set off the negotiations. Then they'll see that 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 will be a bench uh, a benchmark uh, for. Uh, proposing, uh, eliminating some of his proposals and putting in theirs. You know, all the bargaining will intensify now. Uh, but there's an understanding, I think, already between Biden, McCarthy, Yellen, and Republicans. <clears throat> we don't know what it is. We'll see when it finally comes to them raising uh, the, the debt ceiling in June. So we've got several months of this negotiation uh, that will go on. Well, one element of this group in the Senate now uh, of cuts is to create what's called a sovereign wealth fund. What's the sovereign wealth fund? Sovereign meaning government. A, a lot of countries around the world have created these, quote, sovereign wealth funds. It's really uh, a way of uh, uh, 
of taking some of the tax revenue uh, that the country may have. You know, usually it's from, uh, uh, you know, oil, nationalized oil, you know, like uh, uh, Norway, UK have a sovereign wealth fund from North Sea oil and so forth. Other countries all have. It's government investment, you see, government uh, uh, earmarking certain certain part of its revenue, uh, putting it in this, quote, government corporation uh, that will invest that money and, uh, you know, generate a revenue stream for the country. So, you know, they don't have to raise taxes as much. You know, they get revenue from uh, uh, this sovereign wealth fund, sovereign meaning government, right? Uh, the Saudis and the Middle Eastern countries have big sovereign wealth funds because they got all this excess money from their their uh, oil and gas, gas uh, production, right? Uh, <clears throat> okay, so uh, create a sovereign wealth fund. Well, this isn't new. What this is is the government... Uh, will take some of the payroll tax that finances Social Security, put it in this, quote, sovereign wealth fund, and then have the wealth fund invest in the stock market. Oh, boy, Wall Street loves that. Wall Street's been salivating for decades at the Social Security Trust Fund trillions of dollars. They want to get their hands on that. Uh, they want the, the – they want – people to invest that money that they charge fees on. You know, you buy stocks and bonds, then banks get a fee, right? They see a big profit center here from opening up the trust fund to private investment markets. That's what it's all about. Now, Bill Clinton proposed that back in the 90s. You know, when Bill was under pressure here, he was being impeached, maybe tried and so forth. He did everything anybody wanted, uh, the neocons, the right wing, whatever they wanted, he gave it to them. You know, it all starts with the fact he couldn't keep his zipper closed, right? What a scumbag. In any event, it starts with him. And uh, he suggested, well, it didn't fly at the time, but he suggested, well, maybe the government should get to Social Security and invest on behalf of of uh, uh, workers, uh, invest part of the Social Security trust fund in the stock market. Right? In other words, a partial privatization. Right? The money, the government would oversee the investing in the stock market of, of this fund. Uh, part of the Social Security fund be earmarked just for that. It wouldn't be uh, turning it over to individuals but the Republicans want to invest their share of Social Security in stock markets. You know, that's what they really want. That's what George Bush really wanted to do. He called it creating private investment accounts within the Social Security Trust Fund. So, quote, your money, your share of the total trust fund, you could decide what you wanted to do with it before you retired. You know, treat it like 401k plans, right? You can go and change your investment in the 401k plan, privatize it. That's full privatization when you allow uh, workers to, you know, risk their their pension in a sense here, Social Security pension, uh, in a trust fund uh, in uh, in the markets. Right? You can do that with 401ks. Well, Bush wanted to uh, create uh, uh, a Social Security system which was really like a 401k system. 
I, I totally privatize it. Well, the sovereign wealth fund idea is a partial privatization. Instead of individuals investing their share of the Social Security trust fund in, in financial markets, the government would do the investing. You see, what the government now does with the surplus in Social Security is uh, simply invest it in Treasury bonds, right? The Treasury borrows from it. Uh, a little history here, right? Let's go back to 1986. Well, even further back. Let's let's go back to the origins of Social Security. Uh, a 1936 bill, right, that establishes a government pension for the first time uh, called Social Security for folks. Uh, it really begins paying out money about uh, 1940, around 3840. I don't know. You know, you had to put some money in it. Uh, payroll tax money in it, in it, in order to uh, start paying out, because the system is what's called pay as you go. Social Security is not an insurance system; it is not a pension system, like four hundred one k's. It is pay as you go. In other words, those folks who are working are paying a payroll tax into a trust fund that keeps building up, right? And the trust fund. Uh, uh, is used for those who are retiring uh, to start paying uh, so much, uh, you know, according to the formula, you know, you got to, it's based on your income and your highest income uh, before you retire, uh, but you got to put in 40 quarters of actual paying the payroll tax to be eligible, right? But if you are, you start retiring. Those who are working and you who had been working, paying into this trust fund, pay as you go, and people, you know, start getting their share uh, when they come out and, uh, of paying into the trust fund, in other words, when they retire. Uh, that's, that's, that's the foundation of Social Security. It's called the re, uh, Retirement Old Age and Survivors Fund. That's, that's the retirement fund, or you might say the pension fund. It is financed by those who are working. The employee worker puts in 6.2% of his uh, uh, earnings into this, and the uh, the employer matches 6.2%. So 12.4% goes into uh, uh, this uh, retirement trust fund, right? Pay as you go. 90% of all the benefits now are continuing to be paid uh, by the payroll tax, 90%. As long as people are working and their wages are rising, uh, the money will continue to go into the trust fund, 90% coverage, okay? Uh, Now, you know, you'd have to have a collapse of wages and or mass unemployment uh, to have over a long term, to have insufficient funds going into the retirement account. Right? Now, let's talk about insufficient funds. Right now, in the 1986 reforms under Greenspan Commission, Al Greenspan, remember, he did such a good job in reforming Social Security, uh, quote, reforming, uh, that he got appointed head of the Federal Reserve for 20 years. In 1987, I think it was. Okay, so he chairs this commission and, uh, quote, they're going to reform Social Security at the time. Right. What was the reform? 
the reform was essentially uh, they raised the the payroll tax rate, the 6.2, as I said, uh, but they adjusted uh, the income base on which the 6.2 is calculated uh, to be inflation adjusted. In other words, they keep going up every year. Well, now you pay your Social Security payroll tax 6.2%. That that was frozen, 6.2%, uh, uh, on a rising income base. In other words, as your income rises each year, your 6.2% takes more money out of you for the year and puts it in the trust fund. Uh, what is the threshold this year? Well, it's $160,200. Right? If you are earning less than that, uh, you are paying the payroll tax 6.2% every year. Okay. Going in that now, if you're part of the ten percent uh, highest paid workforce, right? You make over one hundred sixty thousand a year. I think it's fifteen percent. It makes over sixteen hundred sixty thousand a year, roughly, right? Uh, okay, uh, you stop paying payroll tax once you hit earnings of one hundred sixty thousand. Let's say you make two hundred thousand a year, right? You're software engineer or whatever, or a manager, uh, you know, come September, October, uh, you no longer pay income tax. You get a big 6.2% boost to your take-home pay. Hmm, that's nice. Why? You know, why do you make uh, uh, everybody earning average wages, average income, you know, and even above, right, 85% of the labor force pays the whole year? Why are they paying the whole year? And uh, the wealthiest part of the labor force, including managers, you know, uh, get a cutoff. Why is there a, a ceiling? Why is there a cap? Right? Now, remember, even with that cap, 90% of Social Security benefits, retirement benefits, are, are being covered. All you have to do is raise that cap, right? And voila, away it goes. And, in fact, you have so much more income in the trust fund, you can lower the retirement age from 67 right now. You can lower it. You'd have so much extra uh, revenue. Now, the whole idea of AB6 reforms with raising this uh, uh, inflation-adjusted rate was to create a big surplus in the Social Security retirement fund uh, because they saw after 2010 – 70 million uh, baby boomers are going to retire. And they've started retiring, mostly retired. <clears throat> okay, so that's why they wanted a, a big surplus. They, they, in the 86 reforms generated more payroll tax revenue than they needed for the next several decades. And by the year 2000, there was $4 trillion extra in the Social Security Trust Fund. $4 trillion. Massive. And ever since then, the banks want to get their hands on that pot, right? <laughs> uh, so what's happened? What's happened to that ever since? Well, you know, a lot of high-paying jobs, therefore high-paying payroll tax, were sent offshore. That's one thing. You know, we had, what, 18, 20 million people in manufacturing jobs in 2000. What have we got now, 11, 12? Yeah, they've been offshored, right? Uh, so... Uh, that base has gone gone away, right? Uh, on top of that, uh, you you've had the slow, you've had the two big crises, the 2008-10 crisis, where 
people get laid off a lot, uh, and you don't have as so much money going short term into the trust fund because people aren't paying it. They're not paying it, and the employer's not paying it. You know, they both pay 6.2%. If you're not working, you don't pay it. And if you're not employed for the employer, the employer doesn't pay it either. So that's 12.4% for everybody laid off not going into the trust fund, the retirement trust fund. You know, we haven't talked about the other trust funds yet. We will. Okay, so, you know, what you got is a problem. You've got a fall off in the revenue every time you have a big crisis. You also have a fall off in the revenue when the recovery is not very great, when it is, as under Obama, two-thirds of normal historical recovery of the economy after a recession. That's the Obama economy. That does not generate as much revenue as well. Then you got uh, this policy uh, started with Obama when you had the crisis, uh, trying to put money in the hands of people who are still working to spend more to help generate consumption and recovery here of suspending the payroll tax, the 12.4%, both the employer and the employee, right, Uh, as a way of trying to put more money in the pockets of people. Well, that undermines Social Security trust fund. And then Trump did it, too. It's become fashionable, right? Trump did it, too, in 2020, suspended the two payroll tax uh, for employees and employers. The employers were supposed to pay back. They never did. Okay. So uh, you have these two events where the policymakers have purposely undermined Social Security, the trust fund, the revenue base of this thing, right? Slow growth does it. And, of course, we've had this terrible slow growth, chronic slow growth ever since 2008. You know, uh, look at the GDP numbers. I've talked about those a couple of weeks ago, right? If you go December to December, what do you got? 5.4% in 2021 growth in GDP. Last year, a 1% growth. After you spend $8 trillion fiscal monetary stimulus, that's all you get? That's a big problem, to repeat myself. <laughs> okay. Uh, so... The payroll tax for Social Security has, you you don't have this big buffer. Now, in the intervening years here where you had this huge surplus, Social Security trust fund surplus uh, of trillions of dollars, right? Uh, The government has used that surplus in Social Security as part of the argument of, oh, our budget deficits aren't as serious because we have this huge uh, surplus in Social Security. Yeah. Well, you got to understand uh, that that's that's kind of a fake argument because listen close. Social Security revenues and surpluses and even deficits aren't calculated as part of the annual general U.S. budget deficit. It's totally separate. So to say that, oh, we have a $1.5 trillion deficit, budget deficit this year, oh, it's because of Social Security is a totally fake argument. Because Social Security is not contributing to the deficit, the budget deficit. It is outside the budget deficit. It's not part of general revenues. It's pay-as-you-go. It's got its own revenue source. It's got its own payout source. 
So to the extent you may have a surplus or a deficit in Social Security has nothing to do to the extent you have a surplus or a deficit in the general U.S. budget deficit. That budget deficit in the U.S. government is due to war spending and tax cutting for investors and businesses primarily. That's what that's due to, and now interest on the debt, right? It has nothing to do with what is the status of Social Security. But, you know, during Clinton, Clinton said, oh, I balanced the budget. Well, he did it by claiming that the surplus in the Social Security Trust Fund should be used to estimate the total budget of the U.S., Social Security and general. Yeah. Another one of those politician lies, right? But again, whatever the status of Social Security trust funds, they have nothing to do, nothing, with the general U.S. budget deficit. But, oh, this commission and others, Republicans and businesses, you know, Wall Street, like to link the two because they want to make cuts to Social Security because the nature of the cuts they want to make is to get their claws on that trust fund. Okay. So the trust fund is one of the, the creating a sovereign wealth fund is one of the ways of, uh, of carving out part of the trust fund revenues for the government to invest. Now the government will fund this sovereign wealth fund under these latest proposals in the Senate, will fund it by raising the payroll tax. Yeah. How much? Well, we don't know. We don't know. We will see in these proposals. But, uh, you know, they'll take some of the money and they'll raise some of the money uh, through raising the payroll tax. Will they raise it, the payroll tax totals, by lifting the cap on 160000 No. They'll raise the rate you got to pay higher than the 6.2% for those of you who are under 160000 That's what they're going to do. They're not going to touch their rich folks. Yeah, wait, wait for that to happen, right? Okay. Uh, that's the second element, raise the payroll tax. Uh, well, you know, they kind of raised the payroll tax uh, a little bit here. Uh, with Obama's uh, Affordable Care Act. Uh, if you make more than $200,000, you pay a, a, sur, a payroll surtax, an excess surtax of 0.9% on top of your 6.2%. You pay, the, the employer doesn't match the 0.9%, by the way, like he matches the 62 uh, Just you, making over $200,000, uh, pay the extra 0. Uh, 9%. Uh, That's been a source of a lot of attack on the ACA. You know, the rich folks don't want to pay extra. And and there's also an investment tax that funds the ACA. I think it's 1.5% on employers. They don't like that. They don't like paying that tax because they they don't see anything for their profit flow from that. Um, So that's just an aside. That's part of the uh, financial basic cause of the attacks on uh, the ACA. Okay, so there's this uh, 0.9%. And then for the Medicare trust fund, the second trust fund within Social Security, not the retirement and old age survivors, but the Medicare is another 1.45%. Uh, 
tax, Medicare tax. Now, the Medicare tax doesn't have an income limit on it. Everybody pays 1.45%, whatever their income, 160000 above or below. That's the way the retirement fund should be. It should be everybody to make 6.2% above or below. So they have a precedent of not putting an income limit, limit of 160000 which goes up every year, by the way, according to cost of living. Uh, there is this precedent in the Medicare Act. I mean, just think about it. Medicare, what a wonderful system when you think about it. 1.4%. Four or five percent of your income, which the employer matches, okay, three, two point nine percent, okay. When you retire, you have virtually, virtually all your major medical costs covered. I mean, I'm on Medicare. I'm a traditional Medicare, uh, not Medicare Advantage, which I'll explain as a, as a gimmick for privatization shortly. Um, and uh, you know, I've had major operations that didn't pay penny, didn't pay penny. I mean, costing tens of thousands of dollars. It's amazing. You know, for 1.45%, you have far better coverage you could ever get with a private insurance, health insurance company, far better. You know, they have all their exemptions and exceptions and everything, right? Medicare doesn't. Right? Okay, so you pay $145, I think, a deductible a month, something like that, you know which is nothing compared to the thousands of dollars you may pay or hundreds and you know, well over a thousand dollars you would pay for private insurance, monthly deductible or premium, excuse me, monthly premium. I mean, it's not even comparable. Uh, Medicare is a wonderful system. Okay, so the, there's a separate trust fund called the Medicare Trust Fund. First, under Social Security, this big you know, Social Security in caps, all caps, you know, is made up of four funds. One is the retirement fund, which provides for survivors as well. They get like two-thirds if you die uh, of, of your Social Security monthly benefit. And then part of that retirement fund is what's called Social Security Disabled, uh, disabled Income, uh, SSDI. Right. If you are disabled, totally disabled, before you reach retirement age, you can also claim uh, retirement. Right. Uh, now the government's getting cracking down on the SSDI. They're going to make their cuts there as well. Right? They're going to raise the retirement age on, on on the retirement trust fund. That's another cutting that's coming along. They're going to raise it to seventy years. Cleverly, I predict uh, they're not going to start increasing the current 67 to 70 years until after the next election. They'll backload it to 2025 so people don't feel the, the pressure, right? But And they'll say we're saving Social Security retirement. They're saving it, right? Instead of raising the cap, right, pay for the other 10% because the payroll tax already pays for 90%. Instead of raising the cap, and, and covering it, they're, they're going to raise the age of retirement. And they're going to say, oh, we saved it. Oh, we didn't cut it. We saved it. Now they cut it. Everyone else out there hasn't retired yet is going to have to pay that. So that's the second thing. Um, raising it to 80, maybe 70. Raising the payroll tax and creating a sovereign wealth fund in order to invest in the stock market, start the privatization of it. That's where we're going. Okay. More about austerity next time. 
when we get the budget uh, budget proposal next week. I'm out of here.